1: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much
2: out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And in most universes, we would be talking about LeBron James today and celebrating him breaking just the most sacred of NBA records and we are going to do that but we're going to do it on Friday had last night's game not gone the way that it did with all of the drama and and whatnot not just surrounding the record but beyond uh again we'd be talking about that but it did go the way that it did and Lakers for a 133 to 130 defeat in yet another lifeless and listless game with all sorts of fun drama surrounding and so we're going to talk about that today uh Mike I would love to hear your perspective from on the ground where we've been uh, it's been a rough stretch lately. The energy of the team has been really bad and there's no game. So uh, over this recent stretch that I thought illustrated that more than last night. So what do you see,
3: man, what a unique experience it was to be in that arena last night, where one of the things that the Lakers are best at is all of the, the pageantry around a big moment and nobody's had more big moments, right. And mm-hmm. individually, for like player accomplishments and certainly mostly for team comp- accomplishments and playoff success and all that. And I've been in that building of course for a lot of big moments and and you know none bigger than game 7 against Boston in t- in 2010, none more special than Kobe's last game, uh this the 60 pointer which I think will for the rest of my lifetime be my favorite game that I've ever been to and I just don't know how it would be possible to top that. But this one had a similar in terms of uh like NBA finals type feel going in with part of the, the first thing that you notice, right. Is all the, the massive number of media credentials and everybody's there. Then you start to notice it as the, the, the certain type of a list celebs come in. Then you notice it in terms of the, the like the Laker fans that love the team so much that they spent way more money than they wanted to, and probably could, could and should. And, and I always think about that when I go into a game like that is that people that work their ass off and, you know, maybe go to a Laker game with our kid instead of going on a vacation for a week. Uh And, and that, mm-hmm. like you, you, you can really feel that from the way you like looking on the faces of people, like looking at people's faces and seeing that they really wanted to be in the building. So, and that to me is special. That's part of what sports does. It brings together people in all these different areas and, and, and types. But um, so there, that was, that was kind of the feeling that, that goes into this and of course LeBron being the major focus of that. But if you know anything about Laker fans, and especially the good ones there's also this this sort of sense of the moment as to where the Lakers are in the standings and the season is starting to wane and yes. like this is not good enough another loss so, so there's two things that have to happen in this game and i think for laker fans it, this would depend some but like the hardcore laker fans like probably a lot of our listeners certainly you two, it's like you've got to win the game and first mm-hmm. And, that, like, LeBron's going to pass the mark. He's going to – we're, we're going to celebrate it. He's going to get all of that credit as well he should. But, like, the bottom line is, this is OKC. They're right above you in the standings. Time's starting to, to tick. So it's these dual things going on. I think some people were just there to kind of see the mark happen. And, and totally understandable. It's awesome. It, the the freaking all-time leading score. But the game is going how the game is going, right. even as LeBron is scoring efficiently. And so these these Darius – Uh, are the two things that are happening in the arena at the same time. You could feel it
4: through the television set too, Mike. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was that LeBron was meeting the moment in both of those areas. So he was meeting the moment in terms of like, I'm gonna go get that record. And he was meeting the moment in terms of my performance is going to help drive winning. So there was a certain
3: point during and real quick, real quick. I thought, as you guys heard, I thought he was going to do it on Thursday until I saw what he wore into the arena. Yes. Oh.
4: And <laughs> yes. then I was like, Oh man. All right. Well, I guess it's, it's happening, happening tonight. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no. Bron wick is what he looked like, right? Because he had the all black suit and he was ready to do it. Right. And so there was a certain point, Mike, second or third quarter. And it was like this most, most of the night actually, but LeBron was the only guy who had a positive plus minus in the box score. So it's just like, like AD minus eight, Dennis minus 10, Bev minus five, like all the minus, 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 minus LeBron plus two, LeBron plus three, LeBron plus five. And all these other guys were negatives. And so I thought LeBron was doing everything he could both to win the damn game, And knowing that his effort towards winning the game was going to be like running in tandem, Pete, with this with this idea of I'm getting this record tonight. And it's one of the things that I think makes LeBron special, like just like you said, like we're going to get to a full sort of LeBron appreciation discussion on Friday but I just wanted to Mike's point about what the atmosphere was like in the building and what you could feel through the telecast. That was the part where I'm just like, oh, Braun's going for it. And for those fans that were like, well, go win the game. LeBron agreed with that. Go win the game. And, and what he was doing was trying to get there. And, and so we'll get more to some of the drama stuff in a second. But are you with me on that part, Pete? Very much so. It's funny.
2: I, I love that Mike brought up the uh, Kobe's last game because that last night was the only other game that had that I've seen that had that certain every time he touched it early on. It's like, shoot it shoot the ball. And like you just had that energy to it where that's why we're here to or at least a good portion of the crowd is to see you break this record. And but he pushed the issue in the way that he does when he's really good and effective. And he was effective as a player. Whereas in the Kobe game, right? Like we were 17 and whatever we were, and there was no, uh, nothing on the line in terms of the game. And so that was able to play out a little bit more organically. And so LeBron was fine. It was the rest of it. That was a hot mess. And D I'm sorry, man. It was your, your birthday yesterday of all things. And so, uh, yeah, man, that's a that's a tough game to watch on, on your birthday. Happy birthday, brother.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Before the game, I said that there's three things I want for my birthday. Um,
3: I wanted some Burmese food. I wanted LeBron to break the record. I, I ordered Burmese food uh, last time I was in the Bay because somebody at the hotel at the front desk was like, uh, hey, you should try this Burmese spot. And then as I say that, did you tell me to do that? And I'm I don't think it I was think me. It was the hotel. Okay, I didn't think it was you either. But it was damn good. Uh, and and I just you know I'll, I'll I'll stop now. But yes, so shout out to Burmese food on your birthday. Shout I might out have some I'm in the bay. I might have some on Friday night.
4: <laughs> so I wanted some Burmese food. I wanted LeBron to break that record, and I wanted the Lakers to win the game. So two for three, I guess, isn't so bad. But that third one, Mike, it doesn't quite reach displeasure scale because I don't know if I could tap into the displeasure scale fully on my birthday. Like my kids ah. were super excited and just happy. Like I should show you guys these cards that they make me because they don't like go and buy cards. They they still like make me cards. Right. And so one of them, my oldest, she put a birthday cake on like the inside and it was like Lakers colors that she drew. It was like a three layered cake with like purple and gold. The other one had my wife print out a picture of LeBron dunking and it was like and then she like used that as like the cover for the card. So it's difficult for me to tap into the displeasure scale fully on my birthday. Right. Especially when I had like a great red curry and some coconut rice and some roti with a curry dip. Like it's just like, uh,
3: all right. But I will say. Are we allowed to talk about the Displeasure Scale yet, or is this too early is this too you No, know, you're absolutely
2: – <laughs> I, I threw the alley I just didn't want to open the game with that ATO. That's it. I threw it up.
4: So <laughs> anyways, uh. so there were definitely some parts, but my wife, right, she caught me. And so one of the things is the games are on Spectrum. And I've been preferring to watch the Spectrum feed over the national feed if if I have a choice. Thank you. But with my League Pass subscription, if it's airing on a national channel, I can't get it on League Pass, right? And so it pushes. So what I do is, is I tap into the Spectrum app and I stream the game through the app on my iPad. And so I'm sitting at the dinner table while my kids are in the other room watching, flipping between stuff, watching some, some of the game and watching something else. And I'm just streaming the game. My wife walks by. She's like, what's the score? And I tell her the score. She's like, uh, I already knew. <laughs> she said, I already knew you guys were losing because you had the look on your face. Like, don't bother me. Look, because that walk around
2: eggshells. My dad was like that when I was a kid when he'd get home. If the door would slam a certain way, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm Oh man. Room.
3: So you had that energy in the text thread too though. So
4: Oh, I was not having it in the text thread at all. And so <laughs> so I she's like you can't be mad. She's like, you can't be this bad. It's your birthday. Like you can't be this bad. And so but but I was close, so the displeasure scales are really—that's a high watermark to reach, right? Like we were talking about little bars that you have to reach before the game in, or before we started recording Pete on like a different topic, right? But but this is a this is a high bar to reach in in order to actually access the scale. So so Mike, in getting back to your sort of bird's eye view or Anne and like your sideline perspective from from in the game. You already mentioned that sort of shift between, like, the fans who were there to, like, watch the Lakers win in a basketball game and all of the people who were there to sort of watch LeBron break a record. And was there a certain part in the game where you felt the energy in the crowd start to shift Or was it always just a rumbling that was underneath the surface a little bit like, oh, well, you know, LeBron's got 21st half points, but the Lakers are down by seven. Like because that to me, I could feel I could feel the push and pull a little bit. And I'm wondering what it was like
3: in the arena. Well, first of all, I want to shout out your daughters, because I am a big proponent of making cards and drawing on them, whatever you want in in the front cover and not spending 4 to $7 at Target or wherever you get the card just to write the same thing on the inside that you're going to write um, on the inside of the card if you make it yourself and show a little effort that way. So I, this hasn't always worked. Uh, I do think, I feel like my wife, after years of me just like, you know, writing out Valentine's cards and whatever cards um, that, you know, I want to know that you actually went to somewhere and bought something for me. And Darius is showing us the cards right now, which, wow, that is some, I mean, your girls aren't that much older than my boys, but I'll tell you what, their penmanship certainly a little bit better. <laughs> that, that looks good. Um, now, now getting back to the game. So the frustration, I think, was, was there with how the team was playing from early, right? Because it was pretty consistent. There weren't that many good stretches, of, particularly on the defensive end. And OKC comes out red hot. Now, the one thing that I didn't put into the text thread, because I could tell you weren't in that kind of mood. And like, sometimes I just need you to feel how you, you should be able to feel how you feel and be frustrated. I was going to do the whole like, well, have you seen what happened in the previous games that LeBron, you know, was, was trying to pass a certain scoring mark? Team lost by a lot every time. It is difficult for teammates to sort of know how, like, what should I do on offense? Should I like play my normal game? Should I go post up? Should I just give him the ball and get out of the way? And then that type of. Uncertainty can come out in the defensive end as well. Whereas we think, well, at least you should, you should be able to give a baseline effort on defense, which like is true, but these games are tough to play. And it didn't seem like you guys were in the mood for that then. Um, I'm, I'm guessing we, I don't know how much we want to do it right now. Yeah. But I don't, I don't care that, that much. <laughs> Yeah. So, but that that's like I thought the Lakers were going to lose the game before the game started. Um in be, be, because of all those things going on and because is better than people think. is impossible to stop even without door. Anyway, let, let's put that aside for now. So, in the building though, that it started to like it would reach a crescendo and then LeBron would go on a little run and then they would they would touch base again. So, like at halftime, what were they down by five? Or no, it was 10. That's right, it was 10. And then they closed it to um they closed it to 8 like late in the third quarter and then they again, got it down to five, it to 5 i think to start the, the fourth the third quarter. Y- yeah. yeah so they got it down to 5 certain the th- so they they had kind of done enough things and and made enough plays to be in the game still but the frustration really started to get in um after they in fact they even tied the game right at a certain point um on that Hachimura layup to make it 106-106 and then promptly just let Isaiah Joe who's a great three-point shooter that nobody's probably ever heard of like it really effective mid forties shooter. That's what he does. Um, Get another wide open shot. And then, you know, boom. And then, uh, and then uh, Jalen Williams, who is terrific, by the way, Um, I really like him seeing him in person. And the lead goes right back up to double digits at the seven fifty two mark. And that's when you start to really feel um, because at that point, LeBron had already done the record. We'd done the ceremony on the court. Right. But it was like now, now win the game to make the building feel good. And to make like the whole experience feel like it was worthwhile. Like, just like in Kobe's last game, if they had lost that game, like it, it would have changed it just a little bit. And that sure. was with no stakes for the winning and the losing. And this is with actual stakes for the winning and the losing. So, yeah, it, it was the fourth quarter when it really flipped the wrong way uh, in in a big way.
2: Let's let's take a break. And when we come back, talk a, a bit about the, the mess of last night's game. we have a decision to make of how serious of a team do we want to be particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Um, we're, you know, we've talked a lot about the offense yesterday. We got into some pick and roll stuff and side pick and rolls and things, all of that nature. We're giving up a buck 30, pretty much every game. Uh, recently in particular and just the effort level and the level, the lack of urgency has been the big thing that has really struck me D is it's like, y'all know where you are in the standings. Cause the way that you're playing in terms of effort and engagement, just urgency of like, Hey, we really need to win this game is poor and shows up in particular on the defensive end, like we were bad across the board, our point of attack defense, our rim protection, our transition defense. It's just maddening to watch these young teams like an OKC, the Pelicans did this to us the other night where – it's like, obviously the game plan is we're going to attack them after every made basket, after every miss, because we know on a good possession, on a good percentage of these possessions, guys are going to cut corners. They're not going to run back. They're going to complain to the ref. They're going to jog. They're not going to communicate with each other. And so there are things that we can do to become more serious than, than we are. And I think a lot of things are connected deep, but that's where we are. And that surprised me because for most of the season, I've been like, hey, this is a serious basketball team. We weren't always good. And we, there were other times where we were a mess because of the personnel that we were playing. But the effort and engagement of this team has not been a general complaint I've had about this team until about two weeks ago, until AD returned. And I don't want to place that squarely on his shoulders. I'm just saying that the team's mentality as a whole seemed to really change that first night in the San Antonio game. And as I've said a few times, really only the Boston game has been a game where we brought the requisite energy since then. And... <laughs> We're losing games that we shouldn't be losing and that are – you can't get these back. We're at a point of the season where there's only about a third of the season left. And so I don't know, dude. we got to make a choice of who we want to be. Yes.
4: I think that that starts with – so everyone – I was going to say that starts with and then say something. I was going to say that starts with the players. And then I was going to say that starts with the head coach. And then I was going to say, well, actually, it starts with the general manager. Or vice president of basketball operations. But it does. But you're right
2: in all three of them, in in all of those, right?
4: They all have their own weight to carry, Mike. Um, It's interesting because one of the things that I noticed is that we want the Lakers to play bigger. They have not been playing bigger often enough, I think. They've been playing bigger some.
2: I got to send you guys the three guard lineup data I've been putting together of just the various versions of that. And the number of them that are minus 10 or worse in terms of net rating at decent sample size are just really concerning. So, yeah, that's that's one of the places, D.
4: So we want the team to play bigger. They have not always been playing bigger, but when they do play bigger, they're actually slow.
2: Oh, this is a great point.
4: So there's a tricky thing. I like Rui. I think he's helpful. He hit some important jump shots. This last game against OKC where I was just like, hey, look at that. A guy who's just going to shoot over the top and create his own shot and and knock down a jumper. It's not always aesthetically what you'd like, but the shot goes in at at a decent rate. He's big. He gets he gets some offensive rebounds. He's just fine. Good player and helpful, I think. He's also more four than three. Yes, yeah, what but- I'm starting to realize more and more. And so that idea of a big wing, he is a big wing, but he's not defensively a big wing. I think that the best job he's done defensively has actually been on a guy, has actually been on Julius Randle. And so Randle, too, is like, he, Randle plays like a four, but he's got, but he's like a ball handling four and he's a power four. And he's a big wing in his own right, but he's not actually a wing. He's a big man of sorts right? And I thought Rui did the best defense that he's played on any sort of perimeter-based player has been on Julius Randle. And that's an interesting thing to me, because Rui, when he had to chase some of these smaller guys around, and it happened against the Pelicans, and he was out there defending a guard, basically, because the Pelicans were playing a three-guard lineup. And then the Thunder, who are a fantastic driving kick team, were also playing a bit smaller, um, and they were really stretching the Lakers out. They were playing a stretch five most of the game. They don't really play a lob threat style of game. And so I caught myself watching Rui a fair amount defensively when he was in the game, and he was just having a little bit of trouble changing directions and staying in front of guys in the drive and kick game. So you add a player like Rui, Who is a bigger dude. I think he can have real use defensively in a lot of matchups, but in the sort of spread out driving kick matchups, maybe a little bit more trouble.
2: Yeah. One of the things too, is that he's got a high center of gravity. And so when a big guy has a high center of gravity, those ground battles can be more difficult. And so guys can get around him.
4: So I'm thinking of the speed element. One of the things that's on my mind when I think about the defense, Pete, is so Dennis is fast, but LeBron's in his 20th season. And he does not change ends, particularly from offense to defense, as well as he once did. Nor is it as important to him, it looks like, which is, we get it. Then they have Rui, who is has similar issues to LeBron in his own way, except it's probably more like physical and just what, what it is. And then you've got Pat Bev, who's in the starting group as well. He's not a particularly fast player. And then you've got... The version of AD that we're seeing now, and this is where I want to transition some to some Anthony Davis discussion, um, because believe me, there's a lot of people talking about Anthony Davis after yesterday's game. And so like when you talk about the defense, Pete, and sort of like, oh, there's been this trend, 130 points night, night after night after night. One of the things that I'm noticing is that while we've asked for more lineup balance in terms of like size, what we also do not have is a, is even if we play bigger, we don't have a lot of lineup balance in terms of like diversity of personnel and what the personnel is good at. One of the things I loved about the 2020 team was like, look, there's KCP. He's a fast dude and he's a lock and trail expert. And there's Danny Green and he's a big physical guard who is great in help actions. And there's LeBron James, who is a all-court maven. And there's Anthony Davis, who is very similar from his spot. And there's a big rim protecting guy in JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. And they check like every box. And then you bring in an Alex Caruso and a Kyle Kuzma. And they're checking boxes too. And there's a lot of versatility there. And I feel like one of the things that hasn't been there as much defensively is that versatility. And when you have the sort of physical and mental engagement levels that the Lakers have been playing at recently, that's a recipe for disaster. And I thought a lot of what showed up yesterday was like a player that was evident in to me was AD. And so I don't know if we want to transition to AD right now, but we are going to have to talk about Anthony Davis a little bit.
3: Yeah, the, I think... It's sometimes it's difficult for us or for players or for anybody to when you see somebody on the floor and they're doing at least some of the things that they're used to them doing, but not all that that can be a tough adjustment. And I guess it's argument for consistency and consistency of play and and AD essentially since the bubble run has had and Darwin Hammond talked about this has had pockets where he's coming back from injury more often, or in the case, like starting the season. And it's just a lot of what he does is there, but the whole package together um, isn't there. And the whole package together was there about a month into the season, you know, when he was just dominating games. And it started, I think in, in real form in the game at Milwaukee and then the game at Washington. And it kind of went from there And, and you, he was doing it on both ends. And I think the offense, we probably noticed a little bit more, but that was, it was just there. And when he had the injury, and since he's come back, my initial concern, I think was more and it stated on the pod was more about the way that he would play offense and the aggression level because I was still taking some of that defense for granted, and i, I like he' still had plenty of moments on defense, but the the total energy level, and whether it's because of his legs or he hasn't said anything about the foot and he hasn't been like looking down at the foot when he goes to the bench or giving us signs that it's bothering him. But there's just been something there where he's not in rhythm. And when I've asked him questions about it after the game, it's been, he's been like, yeah, and I know I look good in certain spots, but like, I'm not feeling like myself yet is essentially what he said. And so when, when the Lakers are so dependent on what he does defensively, like when he's in the game, I think there's a certain level that the team is not playing at that they were when he was out, and they knew that they had to. And so those two things have not been lining up so far, whereas you can't play the way that, you, that the team is playing with the total connective energy on, on defense that, they've, that they haven't had. I said that in a weird way, but, yeah, you, you get the idea. And AD is not at the spot right now where he's going to clean up. For, he's going to be able to clean up for a whole, you know, not being able to mm-hmm. um, have that happen. And Pete, with respect specifically to the game last night and amidst all of what was going on with LeBron, AD did not even seem to have the type of energy that he had in the previous couple games. And I think that was obvious. And and then he, in his post-game interview, didn't have that same level um, of, of energy that he does even sometimes after he doesn't play his best game. So I don't know what's going on. Um, I haven't I haven't looked into it any further, but yeah, like it was obviously noticeable. And I think that it's something that's going to have to get figured out, uh, certainly.
2: So one part of this uh, stew that we haven't touched on is the trade deadline. This is the last time you'll hear from us before the trade deadline tomorrow at 12 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to record right after so that we can talk about what the Lakers did or did not do. Darius, it's taken a turn last couple of weeks, especially with respect to energy. And I think that the deadline is part of that. Where are you at just on the deadline before it actually happens?
4: So are you talking about in terms of my perspective on where I think the Lakers are, what they should do or how it's been impacting the team? Because I think those are two different conversations. So,
2: so let's go to what you think we should do. I think that it's, it's pretty um, It's evident that it's been impacting the team. And so I'd definitely love to hear you touch on that. But it's more like, you know, now's the time to pull the trigger or not. Right. And but this is the last point where we can do
4: that. I'm still of the mind that they need to make a move. So I can say this with almost 100 percent certainty, whether or not the Lakers make a move or not, I expect things to settle down right in the aftermath of the trade deadline. And there's going to be a renewed focus From the guys, because this is the team we have. Mm -hmm. I think if the same team that played last night against the Thunder is the same team that plays on Thursday night against (laughs) the Bucks, you may even see better effort and better all of this stuff, right? And that may even last for a few days. But once the same mistakes reappear... It's going to be, I think, a very difficult mental challenge for the team to stay connected in the way in which they want to be. So, one of the main reasons I'm advocating for a deal is because this group looks in dire need of a certain reset. It doesn't need Mm -hmm. to be a ground zero reset, but it needs to be a reset of some sorts. They need to reconfigure things. And I think everyone needs that. I think the players in the locker room need it. And honestly, This can be looked at as a criticism of Darvin if you want to frame it this way, but he's a first-year head coach, and so he's still learning, and I think that he'd be the first person to tell you that that he's still learning on the job to a certain extent, is I think he needs a reset in terms of the players who are available to him Mm. and what the shape of the roster is in order to better promote the types of lineups that are going to give this team success in over this last 20 some odd games of the season. I've made this analogy a lot, Mike, but it's just like a season, an NBA season is like a book, right? And there's an arc that every season follows and you make certain choices and those choices then propel you down a certain path. And it's like a choose your own adventure book in that, okay, well you made choice X, jump to page 75. And one of the things that Darwin had to do very early in this season was show a lot of trust in Russell Westbrook. And he had to show a lot of trust in the idea of this is the type of team that we're going to be in order to accommodate the style of play that is going to fit best based off of the roster that we have. And he made those choices, I think, with clear eyes about what he needed to get out of this specific group of players and on a certain level I think that he's succeeded in that very way he's gotten a way more productive and engaged Russell Westbrook that existed last season for this same team with several of the same teammates available but in choosing that path and in jumping to page 76 in like in the way that they did they have gone down this route where the flaws of this team with this specific style of play are pretty evident now 50-some-odd games into the season, and he has now built in a certain amount of trust in the players that he had to put trust in in order to play the style that he wanted to play. And I think the same could be true of like his trust in Pat Beverly. The same can be true in terms of his renewed trust in Thomas Bryant and how many front court minutes there are and how that impacted Wenyon Gabriel. And each little tweak sends you to a new page. Like you trade for Rui Hachimura, jump to page 95. And now there's like a new set of priorities that the team has has to take on. But none of those decisions that you made in the past are erased by that. So now you have Rui Jamura ha but you also have all of this trust installed in Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverley. And so what does that look like? That means, well, I wanna play Russ and Pat Bev because they're sort of critical figures in the identity of this team. And now that means, well, if I'm gonna play them, and I'm also gonna play Austin Reeves, or I'm also gonna play Lonnie Walker, or I'm also gonna do this or this or that, then suddenly there's three guards on the floor again. And you're sort of like, and I think Pete, he even had to do this with Dennis Schroeder to a certain amount, like I know this kid, From my time in in Atlanta. And Dennis is reciprocating that. Like one of the reasons I came here was to play for this head coach because of my history with him explicitly. And that trust then forms bonds. And then you get a certain amount out of that player based off of the trust that you've put in them. But when I talk about the trade deadline now, I'm like, well... No, we need to give this coach, we need to actually, instead of jumping ahead to page 107, I actually want to jump backwards to page five again on, on a certain level in order to sort of undo some of that, that put the team down the path that is on in the first place. And maybe that's not possible at all, right? And this is a fool's errand that I'm making up in my mind. But that's sort of where I am, Mike. It's, it's like this idea of, of the coach needs this too. The players in the locker room need need it as well. And I just think that you'd be doing this specific group of players a disservice if you go into the Bucks game with the same exact group that just lost the game against the Thunder. It's just where I am.
3: Yeah, I think that that matches what I'm seeing on the inside or on the, like in the actual building and all that. I, I just, there's such a level of focus on this nationally, like what the story is with this team and what the roster is going to look like this year and what it's going to look like in the offseason that it's impossible for a net not to factor in that said, I've seen years where the team is really good and it's been the same type of focus and they don't necessarily have to make a move. It's just that things have to be settled one way or the other. And so the reason I, I put it like that is that it still to me more comes down to basketball fit and like the basketball fit hasn't been great. Um, it, it just hasn't for the last couple of years, but it it could be maybe with one more type of a move. What does that cost you? And the Rui move didn't cost you that much. And I think we saw a lot of the best parts of him, the first couple of games. And then we've seen some of the reasons why he was available Um, the last couple of games, you know, he's not, he's not an all-star player. There are some things that he does really well. There's some, some things that fit. There's some things that don't. But there are the basketball thing for me, Pete, is was still like my main thing going into this game. Um, set aside LeBron and set aside how everybody plays next to each other, is just okay, well, Austin Reeves is coming back. And that that means that there are six guards that Darwin likes. Uh, and and understandably so, they all have a certain specific skill that that deserves NBA minutes, but I, I just don't think that, that that many guards can be playing. Uh, and some of the minutes that go to pick one need to go to, to, pr- to produce some more bigger lineups. And that in its own right, I always feel a little bit unqualified to, to like pretend like I can make a rotation better than an NBA coach. Cause it's never that simple. There's always so much more going on. If, if uh, if any head coach that has been there for the Lakers or some other team were on the podcast, right. I think that that would shed some light as to why certain choices are being made, but from the information that I have, I test plus stats plus listening to YouTube coaches um, on this pod for many years now there in my, in my own you know beliefs about what, what sort of what I've seen in front of me work. Um, I, I just think that's the one thing that trade or not um, has to evolve some with rotation. And, and especially with the bench, which, you know, last night at times was Thomas Bryant and four guards uh, and like one of, you know, and it just like, how is that group going to work defensively? Um, and yeah that, that's it's that's not. kind of a summary thought yeah and it's not and it doesn't
4: oh they're not they're not going to work defensively anyways pete you stole the words yes. right from my mouth we're simpatico when it comes to that idea so please jump in Indeed,
2: here. and i'm I'm simpatico mike on on this as well and that idea of the team being settled i think either way whatever happens at the deadline now i think that if they don't do anything there's some uh residual funk at the end of it, but just that idea of like, well, this is our team. I don't think that we've had that belief at any point during the season. There's always been this, like, probably maybe going to make a move, and it might be significant, might be Russ, might be Bev, but that – on the other side of that actually having the team that you're going to have i think is super important and so um we will be back tomorrow to discuss that uh and whatever the lakers do or do not do we're going to record right after the deadline but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time
4: danger's got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy tips to magic worthy dies on his belly magic scores Fires again, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the
3: game! Three seconds left, That next to the winner, it. it's on the way, no! Toby Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his 8th block shot that ties an NBA Finals record.
0: A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston,
3: of all places Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe Are you
1: kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol Pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell There's the move Two, What's one, this is
0: Unbelievable. Unbelievable It's over? It's over.